morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. I uh, I watched The Exorcist like an hour ago. So why would you do that? Why would you do it this morning? <laughs> I had no time. Oh, why would you do that? It's not a morning film. It's not a morning why, film. Oh my god. It's... I need to lie down in the fetal oh, position. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Just as Freed Kid intended it. Just as it was intended. Oh my god. Right. What do we got? Um, I've left my food in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Kitchen's a mess. Kitchen <laughs> looks like it's exploded. <laughs> it's exploded. There's, there's mess everywhere. <laughs> and no one would quite be able to tell what was made in it because we did, we did so many different things with food. But it was also the longest prep I think we've ever had. Easily the longest, yeah. By like at least two, like 100% longer. Than 100% think, yeah. longer than it would normally take us. And the food is not 100% better. Yeah. Um, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> it's 100% the same. Um, <laughs> look, what have I got for you today, James? Um, it's like a brunch time, getting more near lunchtime now because of the prep, but yep. I've got for you a sort of salmon nissoire is what it's called. Jamie Oliver recipe, um, just rustled it together. We got some salmon, we got some, uh, the dressing is yogurt mm. mixed with uh, chopped up asparagus with some black Edith olives. James, get some B-roll rolling over yep. this. Uh, some, uh, some red wine vinegar, some olive oil, some salt, some pepper. Um, and on the salmon, we've got some lemon, we've got a little bit of butter in there, topped off with some uh, chopped up boiled eggs. Um, I just hope you like it. I've not had this before, but it reminds me, and I mean this in a good way, like you go to a very sort of upper class English tea room mm. that serves these very like clean summer's nice. day lunches, sort of like fresh, mm. zesty, very sort of lean, mm. high protein. It reminds me of that. That's where it's taking me. It's interesting as well, because when I told you about the, some of the ingredients this week, it doesn't sell it well. It's like yogurt, olives, red wine vinegar. Yeah, what that's the? what you asked me if I had. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing? So um, anyway, this is like, when you say about the English tea room, actually, you know mm. what? I know what film this could be in. Go on. It's The Phantom Thread. When he goes oh, to the tea room, yes. he orders the entire breakfast. That's, yes, that's exactly what that's I was inadvertently referencing. Quite uh, over the top. And of course, there's that whole scene in Phantom Thread about the asparagus later on when he's like, you've cooked my asparagus in oil. And I you don't know, know why you've cooked it in that way. Yeah, I do, I, I, are, you, are you here? Do you have a gun? Are you, <laughs> he's, uh, he's so like over, overly English, you almost sound slightly foreign. It's yes, almost, almost kind of, sounds slightly it's French. slightly French or, so or a little bit like I, I, I was Dutch maybe 10 years ago, but it's kind of, I'm drifting into Arnold Schwarzenegger. But <laughs> Famously Dutch, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, but no, I, I know, know. No, I was drifting yeah, into yeah. the Austrian Arnold Schwarzenegger. So anyway, that's what I've got for you. I think it's kind of a brunchy Phantom Thread tea roomy esque thing. Oh. Sort of salmon soir. It's getting cold. Let's bloody eat the thing. Let's go for it. Spot on. Without even us tasting it, that's exactly the setting. What the Phantom Thread thing? Yes, mm. it's it's English Phantom Thread. I want to try to find something more period. What would it be? Well, like the importance of being earnest. That's more like scones. Or like Agatha Christie. Like, yeah. You know, I feel like this is kind of like, oh, we had this shortly before, you know, uh, Mr. Higgins was murdered. Um, I remember because it was 12 o'clock. It was in the olive yogurt. <laughs> the olive yogurt. <laughs> yeah. I would say that having yogurt and uh, the olives and the, 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 the vinegar really, really works as a dressing. It really brings that kind of... Mm -hmm. Strong zestiness to it. The original recipe had green beans, by the way. I think asparagus is much more suitable. No, asparagus is nice. It's more complex in it. You could do like, you could make it more salady by having green bean, asparagus. I always say like edamame and like spritz that together with the vinegar dressing and then lay salmon on top with a sort of yogurty thing. Or create a base of um, new potatoes. Or yes. um, 
It's very like gone to lunch with the queen, isn't it? Like the new potatoes. Apparently, she eats that all the time. By the way, new potatoes, new potatoes, salmon. They never get green old. Beans, yeah. She has like boiled boiled green. <laughs> Boiled green vegetables, potatoes, and salmon, and she's still going, going strong. If that's the secret to it, that I'm onto something. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so just to accompany fabulous meal you just made, this week I was actually working at a place called East London Liquor Gin or East London Liquor Company. Really great place, just in East London. They basically distill all their gin and whiskey in the bar. So if you look through the bar, huh. you can just see all the pipes and the things oh, that cool. hold all the gin. Really cool spot. I was working there, and a guy also called James refused to let me lead leave without a bottle of gin and he was just really kind to give us loads of stuff definitely go check it out this is their gin and tonic which we'll try now Fantastic. well it's their gin with a tonic so cheers, cheers. That's lovely. And you know what? It actually smells like the place I was at because that's where they made it. Which you smell the distillery in <laughs> yeah. there. Mm. I was taking back. Really good spot. They Sharp. have really cool tap rooms, whiskey tastings. So if you haven't checked out East London Liquor Company, they're right by Victoria Park. Okay. 100% go. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm already convinced on gin. Yes. But I might need to be convinced on whiskey. But I think maybe, maybe I just need a new approach. I, I maybe tried, I need to see it being distilled. To It was very cool. And I, I tried, they did a whiskey tasting for us. I tried a 59% whiskey. I touched my lips to it. And it was like, boom, <laughs> whoosh. It was like how it, I, it was, I was hot flush. My lips Three were Three hours fire. later, I woke up. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. I was wow. Like, fantastic. I let it touch my lips. Oh. And I was drunk. That sounds it's fantastic. I'm going to have another sip. That'd yeah, yeah, do it. It's really, really good. But you and I both saw Belfast this week. Yeah. New film directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, it's set in 1969 in Belfast, shockingly. And it, this is basically what Kenneth Branagh has said is a very personal story. It's based on a true experience that he had uh, in Belfast during a 20 or 30 year, the start of a 20 or 30 year, year conflict called The Troubles or The Troubles in Belfast. Um, and it's set in a working class estate called Tiger Bay in North Belfast, as I said, 1969. And it basically forms the perspective of this very young character uh, played by, I think it was a 10-year-old at the time of recording, called Jude Hill. Mm. It also stars Jamie Dornan, uh, Katrina Balfi, Ju uh, Judy Dench, yep. Kieran Hines, yep. um, a couple of others I'm missing out. Jamie um, Dornan, I said. Colin Morgan. Colin Morgan, yeah, he's very good in it. And essentially what it does is it follows this kid's life, essentially get turned upside down. And every thing he sort of knows about his neighborhood mm. is kind of being changed by this conflict, which he's trying to understand. And you've got this conflict between the parents, played by Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfour, essentially deciding what to do mm. and whether or not they should leave. And you've got this wonderful interaction between the grandparents and what it means to be in Belfast. And there's this whole idea of sort of Yes, you can move, but it, it takes a village to raise a child. And mm. you can see that they're on a street where everyone knows each other. And I think the main thing you, you sort of see, which is so charming, is that this boy is so concerned with everything else mm. that a 10-year-old is, is worried about. Like, yeah. the idea of leaving Belfast is so traumatizing to him because he's so in love with a girl in his class. Mm. Yeah. And there's a sort of wonderful scene where the, the, the kids in the class are organized by how well they did in their last test. So you were at the front of the class if you did the best, and you were yeah. at the back of the class if you did the worst. And he realizes he's just a couple of grade percentages away from sitting next to the yeah. girl of his dreams who he's like, he's like, oh, it's so sad because I want to grow up and I want to marry her and she can see other guys, but we'll be married. Yeah, and he's yeah. clearly planned his whole life ahead. And so he's trying to get better grades to sit closer. And that's basically all he's really worried about. And I think the main thing about it is it is such a, it really is from his perspective. And if there's a conversation happening with adults, it happens because he's overhearing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I, it's, it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
It's shot pretty much in black and white, apart from a few key sequences. At the beginning, at which the beginning, shows it, Belfast, contemporary Belfast now. Contemporary yeah. Belfast, yeah. Which he sort of thought, he wanted to, he said he thought it was important to show off Belfast in its, yeah. in its modern day. And there was actually a, in an earlier cut of the film, and they even shot this, was Kenneth Branagh playing an older yes, version of the child. they re- did. Returning to Belfast and, you know, walking the streets in colour. But um, that got cut because it didn't work. I'm kind of glad it, it, I, it isn't I agree. I don't think it yeah. it at all. Even though I haven't seen that side of it, I think it, did, mm. it, wasn't, it didn't need it. Um, but, George, what did you think of it altogether? Well, I think that it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a lovely film. It's, it's so yeah. personal and it's so warm and um, it's really, you know, I really don't, I have nothing mean or anything to say about it because mm. it's such a hard film to to have any bad feelings towards. It's obviously really personal. So much, yeah. I, I'm glad because, I mean, I don't know if I'm an idiot, but uh, I'm from Reading and I for all my life thought Kenneth Branagh was from Reading, which he is, but only after he after moved the there fact, yeah. from Belfast. Um, and so this was always quite interesting to me. Um I love Jude Hill. He's fantastic. He's so really uh, great, warm yeah. and engaging. And all the cast are great. You know, Kieran Hines is always wonderful. I oh. love seeing him. Kieran and Hines and Judy Dench is, are my couple goals yeah. for when I'm older. Exactly. Like, the, the connection that they have and how they converse with each other is just lovely. And the black and white, the way it's shot, it, it's 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 very dramatic in uh, what Kenneth Branagh described as glossy black and white. Yes. Which is kind of... Um, it's sharp and it's, yeah. it's clear. It's not in any way filmic or hazy. No, it's, it's meant to be almost the... Um, you've got very strong blacks and very strong whites. And yes. it's, it's almost adding to that very binary, polarized, dichotomized way that a child looks at the world. Yep. It's good and bad, and that's it. it you know, there's mum and dad. I, I, I mean, it wasn't traditionally cinematic. It yes. is cinematic. Yes. Um, it was actually shot on a large format camera called the Alexa Mini, which is the same film that ni- same camera that 1917 was shot on, ah, right. which didn't also was doing a similar thing where it wasn't trying to over... Mm. Be overly cinematic. It was clear in its presentation, and it was about details. <laughs> 19, wait, 1917 wasn't trying to be cinematic. No, as in it's it's literal. Its shots weren't trying to present this overly artistic, oh, I like I see, yeah, larger than life. It yeah. was this is the clear horror of what it means to walk through. Yeah, and the, the way that the frame is set up in 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 Belfast is very much these sort of like large tableaus where a lot of yes, like, there's a lot it's of a stillness. Scene. Yeah, there's a scene, and then um, there's a lot of just a bit of action happening to one side of the frame. Almost Lots of theatrical. like one, two, three. You yeah, had like a, thirds, a near, yeah. a mid. And then and then a bar yeah. and everything was kind of there like like how you would remember a room or a hallway yeah. or, or your house when you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, that your grandmother was in the corner and your you know and something else came through, which is great. And um, you know, I I think if I I didn't have a r- very rich reaction to mm. it, very strong for a reason that I identified with with going to the cinema. I love going to the cinema. And I love and I, I've really enjoyed revisiting it now. The pandemic is in a different stage. Yeah, but. Um, I saw this in a multiplex screening room at yep. six thirty on a Tuesday evening, okay. and it was empty. I ah. was I was one of me and my friend saw it. That's kind of good though, at, right? Well, no, because me no. and my friend saw it at the be- back, at the front, and there were two other people sat at the back. So you've got this huge open. I'm talking a massive multiplex really screening big screen, room. Yeah. Huge screening room, completely empty and dead. Right. And you know, it felt quite sterile and cold. No adrenaline. No, there was no. just no vibe. You know, you, when mm. you've got such a warm film. And eat, but, Never but, thought about that. But well, that must be a thing. That's the, I, I, th- I, I saw, um, I've spoken to people who've seen it, uh, someone I know who really enjoyed it. They saw it in a packed screening room where everyone was chuckling and guffawing. Uh, and I missed that kind of chucklesome, wholesome idea. You know, for a film that's so warm and together, I felt very sterile, um, which was a shame. Not the film's fault at all, but it's just interesting to know how your viewing experience can... Um, I never thought about that because I'm always like, yes, the adrenaline of other people is so great, but I'm always like, wouldn't it be lovely to have my own private cinema? But actually the shared experience is that, kind of part of that's seeing thing. something. I went to the cinema to have a shared experience and I... It didn't. didn't. If anything, it magnified the fact that I was just me and my mate in a room. In a room, yeah. Mm. Um, 
I also think that, I think for some times for me, um, I felt that the it almost didn't stack up to anything um, more than the sum of its parts. In what I, but what I mean by that is that it's like, they're like individual vignettes and memories that I think just are moment to moment. They're not really adding up or building to anything sort of greater. I thought so too. And, and I know you can say that's like the childlike view, but actually there's a difference between like being childlike and being childish. And I'm like, so I think there's, what I mean to say is, uh, when I said it went, went from moment to moment, the best and worst thing I can say about Belfast is that it's like being sat next to someone who's recounting their childhood to you. Mm. And the best times of that is when and they what go- made them who they are. Yeah, they go, well. oh, then we have this wonderful, war- and you have this warmth and this emotion coming through and it's so beautiful. But the downside of that is also it's a bit rambly, tangential, doesn't quite um, add up moment to moment. Oh, and then we did this and then we did that and then we did that. And that's what I meant when I said like, oh, um, it, people might say, oh, the and then, and then, and then sort of narrative structure is quite yeah. childlike, but I actually think it's childish. What I would have been more interested in is seeing a film that presents that child's perspective heavily contrasted with uh, uh, the, the sort of conflict in the adult world. And what I mean by that is like, there are films like Spielberg does it great, like Empire of the Sun, yeah. or like uh, Taika Waititi does it great in um, Boy, or, or even Hunt for the Wilder People, and that you have the child's eyes perspective where you could enjoy, but then you get more meaning by contrasting that with the adult's perspective. And I know there's the scenes with Colin Morgan and Jamie Dornan, but I don't, I, n- I always felt the film was flitting between dramas and conflicts and here and there. And I never sure. got like a, it, it never came together all these moments, lovely moments but it never truly came together for me. But it's fine. It's, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't bother me. It's a warm, still a lovely warm film. I saw what you mean when I was at, at the end, I was like, is was there more to it or maybe something that I missed? Because it has this, I don't, and I don't think this is a spoiler. When the film wraps and whatever, whatever happens, happens, it comes up on the screen. It says, to those who left, yes. to those who stayed, to those whose lives were lost. Something, I won't yeah. get to the wording. And it's this wonderfully heartwarming moment where you realize who this film is for. Mm. And I think maybe that, sense of leaving a place because of a conflict might just really be lost on me because that's not something I've had to I do. Totally, yeah. And I think it is like, as we said, a really personal story where yeah. I think Kenneth Branagh said he wanted permission from his siblings and his mm. cousins and his parents, not his parents, like the, his family to essentially check that he was making this for the right reasons and that it was mm. true to, to what that was. And I think maybe the decision of them I don't think this is a spoiler. We know that eventually yes. they decided to leave and that's the decision they made. Them deciding to leave weighed so heavy on their heart because yeah. they came from that street and the way in which they shoot that street is so yeah. distinctive and you can tell they, I think they did build a street yeah. to shoot on, but you can tell like this was home and everyone yeah. who lived on it was home. And I think that decision maybe doesn't affect me as much because yeah. of a, it's a byproduct of my own upbringing yeah. and, and where I happen to live right now. Yeah. And I wonder if that's why I was like, yeah, like that's really mm. sweet, but what what else was it apart from like you say and then and then and then yeah. next vignettes of story i agree that like obviously we had no sort of um we come from a sort of privileged position of not being affected by like this in a direct way yeah obviously the counter argument is that but the film should still make you you know empathize, empathize and, yeah. and, and 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 get involved i think that um i never f- the move to england the the across the water across the water always felt like a foregone conclusion. I never felt like that was a point that the film arrived at naturally to be like, and now we're moving to, yeah. to England. I felt like it was already something that we all knew and they were just kind of giving us the greatest hits of what happened in the last six months of their 
and it was lives in lives in in Belfast. And there, there was lots of pressure, but never a direct conflict. Do you remember mm. when Colin Morgan yes. was like, "You either contribute financially or you contribute yeah. with like blood, essentially, like yeah. you, you turn up." And that sort of was a really obvious threat in the first yeah. act. You're like, "Oh, I wonder how that develops." And it didn't really. Yeah. And it's not that it needed to for dramatic mm. effect, but I'm almost like it, it didn't. It didn't come to like a big yeah real moment where everyone has to go right. It's this or that. We have to go. You want as an audience, I think, to to, to look at the child's be informed by the, the real threat that's happening in the adult world and then yeah. look at the child's world and go, oh, I'm really worried for him because of this stuff that I've yeah. seen happening in the kid's world. And equally, you want to look at the parental adult world and say, ah, oh, and be warmed by the child's perspective. It, you want it to be yeah. sort of softened and given a new um, perspective on it. Um, but, I mean, there's some wonderful... Jude Hill, when he, he... You know, there's a scene where he cries and it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and talking moments, to the grandparents as well. Yeah, so well and when done. they go to see, when they go to the theatre and they go to the cinema, those are shot in colour, yeah. and they really like boat bold through, and it's like the, the role of art and escapism art, everything. Time. Yeah, and what it would have meant for Kenneth Branagh, I can imagine. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, everything was in colour. It essentially was media or anything that, mm, uh, but not television because television was still black and white. Yes, yeah. Um, and you can tell, like, they, they, I think there's this moment where he went to go see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with his family yeah, for the first time. Nice. And you can just imagine what that would have been like yeah. to be in Belfast. And then you see that film in full Technicolor. And, like, the, it, like, it lights up the, their eyes. You yes, can see the color yes. in their eyes, which is such a... It's it's not, like, the thing you've never seen before is a... I don't want to say trick to, like, highlight something. Yeah. But you can you can imagine that for, for a lot of people, the escapism that, that those yeah. early, like, sort of late 1970s media would have been for so many people who have access yeah. to it. Late yeah. Sorry, late yeah, 60s. Yeah. yeah, I um, I was thinking about the way it's shot as well, and I think there was almost uh, there are times when the film is shot in a very sort of stark, um, uh, dynamic. This is a child's eyes perspective on the world, wide uh, angle. Yeah, where like there's a scene where um, uh, uh, the buddy, the child, is stood behind Jamie Dornan and it's looking up, and it's like you've got this really imposing, defensive yeah. figure of him POV. standing. Yeah, point of view. Um, but then. There were sometimes when uh, I think Kenneth Branagh was like aiming for those kind of like artistic flourishes, those formal flourishes, which I actually find almost a bit too intrusive. And rather, you know, that's fine in a film where where it's like Roma, when you have someone like Alfonso Cuarón, who is mm. much more of a cinematic or like overview approach kind of director. Sure. But Kenneth Branagh comes from the theatre; he's an actor's director, you know. Mm. And there were times when I, I almost felt like saying, "Ken, put the stop the wide angles and stop the stuff. Just give me the people because that's the that's the best bit of the film. Is yeah, the, is the stuff between the people. I agree. Um, and I almost find it intrusive to then think, oh, you're pulling away, you're doing this. No, focus on the the, the human connection. I agree. The, the human human connections were great. Like seeing Judy Dench's face mm. and the catches cap. If you've got Dame Judy Dench, you capture the raw emotion of her face and yeah. you just give it to the audience. And I also like the way he shot. The, the street of Belfast. Mm. And, you know, he, we talk about how he sort of did a lot of rule of thirds and like foreground yeah. stuff. And the way in which they shot the the gates and the walls and the fences yeah. in that, yeah. you could tell it was like, I remember like the scuffs on the corner as yeah. I would swipe past it. And there was this little like iron gate, which they used to squeeze through on the yeah. way to school. And there's all these little details that, yeah. again, like that, that camera specifically is very sharp and you yeah. can tell that it's like remembered clearly. Yeah. And you can see people like punching through and the hand marks left on the street. It's just yeah. another thing you can just imagine what that literal place meant to him and like him and his child yeah. and how simple it was. And I was like, I really can tell you are remembering the dust of the pavement really well. And I get that. I was just thinking also about another film that really captures the balance between 
a child's experience and an adult's experience is Billy Elliot. Yeah. And I remember that scene in Billy Elliot where he's walking down the street with uh, the girl from the neighborhood and she's running her stick along the wall and the fences because uh, it makes the noise. You know, da, 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 yeah. da. And as they're walking and it's just unbroken, they're talking and then her stick eventually runs against the riot shields of the police who are just yeah. waiting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just carries on walking. And um, I'm not saying Belfast doesn't do those things, but I think what I'm saying is I have, I think the way that the, the, the child and the parental worlds interact has been more interestingly done in other films. And sure. I would have liked to see more of that in Belfast. However, it's not bad as, as it is. So I think on the whole, I think it's, you know, it's, it's cool. It's fine. It's, yeah. you know, it's warming. It's, it's, I'd recommend again, people to see it. I think it's yeah. really good. There's nothing horrible about it and it's very hard to be mean about it. It's, a, it's, and, and George, having seen barely any of the films that have been nominated for Best Picture, do you think it will win Best Picture? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only seen it's, like, it's it. that and West Side Story, I think. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I need to really I review the list. Anyway. We'll go over this in the future, don't yeah. worry, guys. But I'm just curious, like, do you think, obviously you've not seen them, but do you think uh, it has that potential to win Best Picture? Uh, I think I'd be a little underwhelmed if it won Best yeah. Picture. I can see why if it did. Yeah. In a very sort of like, again, no pun intended, but black and white way. It's like, yeah, everyone loves a kid. No one likes war. No one likes conflict. Isn't this sweet? Give it to Belfast. <laughs> you know, everyone likes Ken Branagh. Like, sure. Yeah. Um, I think it probably could go for a better film, but we'll see when we report back. And that, that film was shot a while ago. It was shot during the heat of yeah. 2020 lockdown. Yeah. And it was shut down. They had all these issues with shooting with Judy Dench. She's in her mid to eight, late 80s, I think. Yeah. And you've got a young kid there. Apparently yeah. it was a really, really hard one to get just mm. shot and done. But what, would you, what about you? What would you say? What, do I think it's going to win? Based what, on having what? not seen the other films, I th I think I agree. I'd be like, yeah, like, uh, I don't want to say that it shouldn't have won, but I, I can imagine there'll be something else I'll watch, which I think will connect with me more. Again, not to be like damning with faint praise, but solid middle of the pack. Yeah, maybe. And again, we haven't seen them. But so we don't know. We could, we could be like, that's the best film of the year. Or we could be like, wow, these other films have really succeeded it. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's one for mum and dad. It Take is. Mum and yeah, dad one for see the family. it. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, just not literally two minutes from here the other day, I saw Brian Cox from Succession. And it was really strange. And much because, else besides. Sorry? He's in, and he, much he, else, he, but yeah, most yeah. recently. But the reason of why course. I say Succession is because he was dressed like Logan Roy in Succession. It was really weird because I was walking on my local high street and I'm looking ahead at this guy. I'm like, huh, that guy kind of looks a lot like Oh, that is Brian Cox from Succession. But you know he was wearing. You know when he wears like the dark blue hat and the glasses yeah. and the coat. He was dressed exactly like that. Maybe they're filming it. I don't know. They weren't. No, they weren't. But mm. I was just like, how in the UK? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point. There are some scenes in the UK. As we well, there were no cameras. But yeah, I just I just walked past it because like that guy looked exactly. And I was like, I got close. And I was like, that is Brian Cox. Wow. I was like, shit. What do I do? Do I just like ask him to tell me to fuck no, off? Like, no. do, do yeah. I <laughs> say the catchphrase. Say the catchphrase. Yeah. That's um, so weird though. But it's definitely him. 100%. 100%. Right. I, I was like within two meters of him and I was like, yeah, that's definitely Brian Cox. You know, he was the first Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Yeah, which yes, I've never seen in Manhunter. No, Manhunter. Yes. He he had, what was the other thing he was in? The X2. <laughs> X-Men 2. <laughs> X-Men 2 is uh, Striker. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, no, forget that. But yeah, he's just so been around weird. for ages and stuff. He's in the Bourne, one of the a couple of the Bourne films. Yeah, sure. he's one of like the evil corporate. He's guys. just the shady guy in Authority. Yeah, and he was um, Agamemnon, Agamemnon in Troy. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is that the father of Helen of Troy? No, the the husband. What? They were married. No. Uh, it was his wife. And no, in Paris... no, Eric Banner was married to Paris. Uh, not Paris. No. 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 Because that's why Eric Banner fights. 
Brad Pitt. No, Eric, Eric Banner fights Brad Pitt so Paris doesn't have to because Paris would die. Paris, Paris is Orlando Bloom. No, Eric Banner fights Brad Pitt because Eric Banner kills Brad Pitt's cousin who pretends to be Achilles. Right. Eric Banner's like, oh, that's Achilles. Kill him. Takes off his helmet. Oh, shit, it's Achilles' cousin. Right. Achilles flips out, right. stands outside the gates of Troy, screams Hector's name. Hector. Yes. And then Paris is at fault because he shagged Helen of Troy. Well, thank you. When when Troy and the Spartans were having a peace dinner, right. he was upstairs That's doing the business. Orlando Bloom in this, right? Orlando Bloom. Right. Typical. <laughs> and then <laughs> and Agamemnon was right. No, it was Menelaus of Sparta's wife. Agamemnon had wanted to take Troy for himself for ages. And he was like, great. He's been shagging a wife. Let's go to war. Yeah, but who's... who's it, Helen was name. married to Menelaus. So Diane, Diane Kruger is Helen Diane of Troy. Diane Kruger is Helen of Troy. Brian Cox... Yes, Brian Cox is, is Agamemnon, and Brendan Gleeson was Brendan Gleeson was Menelaus, who is the who's I think was it Spartan? Wow. Spartan? Brendan Gleeson, oh, such a Greek-looking really? man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, are you, you must be like an absolute Troy fanatic. Have you seen I, that film I've once? never. I've I'm just now remembering it. Well, I confused. Sean I confused Bean. quite a lot to get to where we are now. Sean Bean is Odysseus. Yes, yeah, Sean Bean is Paris Odysseus with the arrow and the the heel, the Achilles heel, right? Achilles heel. Yeah, that's a long film. It's yeah. a long film. I don't then, think it's going to be great, right? No, it was. Yeah, I remember it was a really big, it was a very expensive film to make. It was, one of those, it was like a sort of old school Hollywood shot on location. It is old school, but that's yeah. only 2004. No, but it, it has that sort of, you know, uh, Lawrence of Arabia yeah, style. Kind of, we want to do a historical epic, but yes. it's also a bit dumbheaded. It hasn't got the grace and the beauty of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, it's like we're going to take two hours and 45 minutes to tell this epic story. We're going to do it with Gladiator big wide light. cameras. Gladiator light, yeah. very much so. Overly, It was in that like sort of early noughties genre of we're going to get like the blood's going to spurt out of the neck and that's shocking. Yeah. And Saving Private Ryan came out recently and that's what we do now with yeah. war films. And uh, and the, and the, everything shot in orange and blue. The, the strong colour tones. Orange. Are there, the, I don't know why that is. If you look at like posters in the late noughties, mm. it's all orange and blue. Teal and orange, yeah. It's like, uh, it, teal and orange is like a standard colour color grading aesthetic where you bring out you turn your shadows into into teal and your highlights into orange and it's said nice. to give contrast michael bay just turns that up to like a billion 300 <laughs> to the point where like, i actually find skin tones in in like transformers or even his netflix songs they just like you can see they're like blotchy and orange oh, where God. the light hits them and it's just too much but it's just this it was, it was a very trendy thing to do to like create a lot of contrast in your image back in the day you know uh you mentioned saving private run actually we watched that last weekend oh did you yeah yeah how'd you find um, it uh I, well, you know, it's still great, you know. Mm. I mean, there's not much. I've seen it so many times, and I would take myself when I was a kid and watch the opening scene like, mm. again and again and again because it's so compelling. So yeah. I have seen this film so many times, but what I found on this time was, yep, still very good, still great, all that, all that stuff. First of all, um, there's so many people in it who I forgot were in it. I bet I forgot. Ted Danson, Brian no. Cranston, Paul no. Giamatti, no, Nathan I, Fillion. Yeah, okay. Giovanni Ribisi. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's a bit with you and McGregor, but I have to I have to look that up. <laughs> um, got everyone in. And then um, the other thing was that it's got a weirdly cruel sense of humor in it, which is quite weird. I'm talking about three instances. There's the bit at the beach at the beginning where a guy gets dinked on the helmet, but the bullet doesn't go through, and he's like so shocked he takes off the bullet, yes. takes off the helmet, touches his forehead. He's so relieved. Then the bullet goes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And it's, it's like a real cruel joke. <laughs> it's like a family guy. Yeah. Sketch, it's like isn't it? <laughs> and then there's a bit later where um, they go to. I mean, this film's been out a while, so it's semi-spoilers. They go to, they find Private Ryan, and they bring him forward, and they sit him down. And they say, you know, James, I'm trying to 
tell you that you know your brothers have been killed, and he, he's really upset. And it turns out it's the wrong Private Ryan, and it's like this, it's like this joke. But this guy's really upset because he thinks his brothers are dead. He's like, oh no, your brothers are fine, and it's, it it works. But you're like, okay. And then there's a bit right in the, the final battle where they've made these sticky bombs to disable the tanks. Yeah. And as the tanks running around the street, one of these soldiers like lights it, and the fuse is going down. He's like approaching the tank, and he's looking at where to put it. And then the bomb just explodes in his hand, and he just explodes. Like the fuse just goes quick, boom, and like this just red cloud of dust and and i'm like oh it's just like the tone slightly it's like a black comedy of like oh this is war man just yeah. if you're not careful something will go off in your hand and your whole fibers will just i bet it did i bet you were just hanging out with a guy one day and then something really i bet there were loads of unfortunate random instances at war god, it's I'm not like, it's not oh, clean yeah. cut it's clunky yeah i mean god i mean i, I, tried to, I don't even want to think about it Thank, <laughs> thanks so much i don't want that with my breakfast yeah i don't want that with my salmon welcome <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. We've got new episodes every Wednesday, and we've got plenty more content coming on the channel throughout the week. If you are watching this video, please give us a like and subscribe. It really does make a huge difference. And if you are listening, please feel free to download the episode, give us a review. It makes a huge difference. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Follow us there as well for lots of updates. Yeah, we do breakout clips. And then we're going to post a new episode every single Wednesday, except when I'm kidding. And then <laughs> we'll do extra content throughout the week. Yeah. See you next week. See you next week.